Welcome everyone, it is 6 pm and it's time for the server room show. This is episode 18. Thank you for SDF Public Access Unix system for hosting the server. There is a voice over IP phone line active during the show. You can call it either from a regular phone or via SIP. The number is plus one nine one oh six six five nine one nine one. The SIP account to call in at is two six one four one four at San Jose two dot as in the number two. I would like to thank for everyone who tuned in today and also for the people who listens to this in a form of a recording. As this is live, all the blobs and errors are left in, no cuts, no buts, it is raw material. Today's topic will be uh, microservices, docker and kubernetes as a part one. It uh, looks like it's gonna be again a, a two-part series because I'm not sure it's gonna fit all into one, but we will see. Um, you can see if you were on Mastodon or in the com chat rooms that uh, similar like last time there is also uh, an additional feed just uh, for the people who want to watch um, video and audio together and the usual link for the people who just want to listen to this as a form of uh, an audio-only broadcast. Both of those links are in the in the in the links I left in Mastodon or or in the com. Uh, it's very easy because the video one uh, with the audio is a uh, twitch.tv slash Victor Madaras, which is my name. And the audio-only version is uh, the one you're already using on anonradio.net. So, as I said, today, today's topic is going to be microservices, Docker and Kubernetes part one. I see uh, nine listeners online. That's already more than what I've expected. So let's see what we have here. We have to talk first about uh, monolithic architecture versus uh, microservices architecture. Mm, the microservices architecture separates uh, the business, business logic uh, functions, the, the core UI and uh, the data access layer, which then communicates to uh, one shared or uh, more than one uh, databases. This is in contrast with the monolithic architecture where uh, it's built out as a tier one um, or a tiered uh, layered approach where the user interface, the business logic, and then the data access layer talks back to one big giant database and it's a simpler flow of data uh, back and forth from the user interface to the database and vice versa. While this is uh, something interesting to, to look at is because if you imagine your application, let's say you have a simple website which does a simple function, let's say a user can uh, 
order something from your website through a user interface, which is the, the, the website. And it talks back to, to the database. And there are some business logic about uh, user placing an order and it's getting discounted from the database and uh, the necessary uh, tables and rows are getting updated and uh, the user somehow pays for uh, for the item uh, request uh, the system requests for the shipping address and name and everything is taken care of in case of the monolithic architecture this whole thing is built up in a form of a one giant piece of uh, application which includes everything uh, from the user interface from the whole uh, logic mentioned and uh, a giant giant database altogether whereas if this same uh, the example we used website is being built with the microservices architecture then there is a possibility to break down uh, the business logic part and the data access layers into separate uh, smaller uh, junks or, or modules uh, they call them microservices which is a perfect word for that to be honest which can each do separate and single functions of the whole big business logic uh, previously mentioned so let's say for example one microservice could take care of uh, getting in uh, the user's uh, information uh, the name and uh, the shipping address another module uh, could take care of uh, charging the user uh, taking care of the transaction part another uh, module microservice could take care of uh, updating uh, the, the database uh, when it comes to the stock and uh, updating the stock in the database if the user purchase five uh, of the items then five is going to be discounted from stock and perhaps another uh, microservice could take care of uh, uh, printing out uh, uh, the invoice or, or displaying or creating an invoice with all this information previously mentioned uh, the user's uh, information what what uh, he bought the way he paid or how much he paid and uh, in, a, in a form of an invoice another microservice module could uh, could take care of that function all these uh, microservices could uh, and and able to uh, communicate in between each other uh, share information uh, each each of them can have their own databases as mentioned or work towards one common database and as you probably uh, see if you looking at uh, the video feed or if you were just listening that uh, when you break things down to to smaller um, pieces uh, microservices in this case it uh, definitely can have some uh, advantages and uh, um, of course, this disadvantages 
also. So let's see what uh, advantages of using microservices can have. As we discussed uh, how it compares to the monolithic architecture, uh, it uh, can be seen that, uh, for example, one of the, the advantage is that it uh, fits better or works more perfect for smaller teams, uh, which can be assigned to uh, a specific uh, responsible uh, function uh, microservice or, or, or I would nearly say department, but, but a, a specific function uh, of the, the, the big piece, the whole big piece uh, of, of what your application is doing. For example, you could have a, a smaller two, three person team assigned only to the part of the microservice which takes care of uh, um, uh, uh, updating the the backend database about the 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 stock um, when the user purchases something to make sure that it's always uh, always showing uh, items available only only and only and if if they are available and another team could be taking care let's say uh, only about the UI. The, the the website the front end the users are uh, interacting with and all these things can exist uh, in in between smaller teams there is no need for a one big team where everyone knows uh, all the pieces and all the all the little nuances it goes into into this big giant application uh, in this example and uh, there is no need to um, have so much know-how or knowledge of every single uh, individual in the team because you broke it up to, to smaller pieces so um, people could uh, share uh, responsibilities and have different uh, functions assigned and uh, all together the the pieces together are the ones which uh, fulfill the the common goal of of making your application work and uh, probably and hopefully the way you expect another uh, good thing of microservices is that you can uh, use any programming language uh, for the purpose of that microservice you want to use as long as uh, a common API can be uh, used on that programming language for communication between uh, the microservices and and also on the UI, uh, most pro mo most often the, the this most common API uh, used is HTTP. So as long as the programming language you chose for your uh, microservice. Uh, can use HTTP uh, as a defined API for communicating. Uh, you should have uh, no problem at all. Another thing which uh, can be seen from this uh, modular uh, approach of, of the microservices being bre breaking up to, to smaller modules is the certain 
kind of um, e easier fault isolation. So if you uh, using this website, we use this in the example and the user uh, gets uh, as far as placing its order and uh, everything goes fine, the, the payment and everything. But when it comes to the last part where, uh, let's say, as part of a, a summary, uh, the user is also presented with that uh, invoice. We mentioned that, uh, let's say, one of the microservices are responsible for that. Uh, imagine that that fails or it doesn't display. Therefore, mm, there is no need for that much of a troubleshooting because you would know that uh, the problem probably originates from from that piece of microservice. Uh, of course, you have to see if it can access those uh, information gathered from those different modules we mentioned, for example, the one which uh, gets the user's uh, data and shipping uh, address and uh, the car details and how much she paid and what uh, what she bought. But uh, if all those uh, goes okay and uh, the invoice is not being displayed uh, or not being displayed properly, then then something is wrong with uh, that piece of microservice. So you could get to to the the root or to the bottom of the problem uh, easier, uh, easier isolating where the fault is coming from. Uh, another mm, thing which it can help you with is uh, kind of like. Uh, like a false for fault tolerance, not really fault tolerance, but like kind of. Uh, if you look at this previous example, that let's say the invoicing uh, microservice dies, it will not bring down your uh, whole application. It will be still uh, pretty much uh, ninety percent functional. So while it's being repaired in the backend. Uh, the site can continue, can get the orders in. Uh, the users uh, will have some inconvenient not being able to show those invoices, but uh, it's not the end of the world. On the other hand, if it happens with your uh, application built in a monolithic architecture, you most probably end up uh, with a with a with a with a site or with an application which will uh, most probably not work neither partially nor 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 fully so this kind of uh, fake fault tolerance because it's not really fault tolerance it's just the the thing that how lucky you are that uh, how much the microservice which fails is not part of the the core of your application if it if it's the UI, for example, then uh, it's easy. The website is not displaying, so no matter that the rest of the microservices are up and running perfect. But uh, in a in a in a lucky day, it can it can give you uh, a bit less uh, headaches. Also, um, microservices can uh, sometimes being able to handle uh, another microservices function 
or or failure uh, in case of its failure uh, providing uh, its uh, its function or, or replacing uh, providing an, uh, again uh, another kind of uh, fault uh, tolerance they pair very well with containers architectures uh, microservices uh, because you can containerize a single microservice they are dynamically scalable uh, both up and down and uh, with this feature uh, companies are able to save a lot of money because in the era of uh, cloud computing and uh, on-demand pricing uh, or, or pricing uh, of the instances uh, are very expensive and uh, being able to dynamically scale your your application or, or, or let's say in this website in a way that uh, it uses uh, less uh, computing less resource when there is just uh, let's say an average of uh, 20 users per hour visiting your site and maybe hardly any of them orders anything compared to like a, like a holiday um, season or a, or, a, or a long weekend when because of the shopping uh, customs of, uh, of people you know that you could expect on those three four five days a much uh, higher demand a much higher workload for your for your for your site and uh, instead of the 20 you would have uh, let's say 200 uh, in per hour then with microservices architecture uh, built uh, from the ground up your your website in this example as it works well with uh, containerization you can take advantage of um, dynamically being able to scale up and down and uh, you don't even need to to worry about it that uh, oh, let me remember to 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 beef it up because uh, let's say thanksgiving uh, is coming and people people will go crazy ordering um, something for for that long weekend uh, it just uh, can it can it can just take care of itself so that's really uh, the big advantage and and also the 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 same advantage of that it can go the same way it can downscale when when required so that's where the money saving comes in so let's see the disadvantages of using microservices there are not many uh, as far as you can see the people who looking at the screen one of them is uh, as you probably have guessed uh, complex networking so while the monolithic architecture was kind of like a tiered uh, layered uh, simple from top to top to bottom um, application or 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 or, or flow the microservices architecture as it builds up from many many uh, as many as you want uh, 
smaller microservices and perhaps each with their own databases or some of them perhaps sharing a database or, or working towards one common one, there can be all kind of um, relationship uh, networking between one another. The, the module which uh, takes in the user's um, information, like we mentioned in this example, uh, for example, uh, can share this information, talk to uh, many other parts of the other microservices the part where the payment happens the part where the updating the, the stock database happens the one which creates the invoice so there is a complex web of uh, sometimes confusing web of communication between these uh, microservices which can make uh, troubleshooting uh, not always the simplest unless you um, you are familiar with the design and the inner workflows of the application or you just grew familiar with it because of the nature of your job for example i remember i i have a colleague he works in application he's like application support engineer and uh, they pretty much uh, support from top to bottom uh, an application which uh, much more complex than this one but uh, pretty much the inner workings are are similar uh, the users interact with uh, with this application through a web portal but in the back end it's like uh, it's like a crazy 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 uh, all kind of services and uh, bits and pieces and uh, he really had to wrap it uh, wrap his head around uh, to to really understand the complex workflow from from start to finish to, to be able to to support this uh, this this application and uh, uh, this this web portal they are running is is part of uh, uh, language uh, translation uh, services uh, to have an idea it's like a portal where uh, clients and and translators uh, translators works together and um, the raw text are being uploaded and then it's uh, breaking up to pieces and when the translator works on it he or he puts the files he or she created and then um, it goes into some ball and mix and up and down and then um, file format converting and it's crazy crazy stuff and really complex and uh, like like uh, the ones who are looking at my screen uh, the brings us to the second uh, disadvantage of microservices of overheads so the different servers and databases which has to be spinned up and down or or or, or needed to exist to to assist to the to the whole functionality and perhaps many many smaller ones or a couple of smaller ones uh, 
like you mentioned uh, you can use as many microservices and, and databases as you want to build up your application so in the example of um, this colleague of mine in application support engineer it's a very very big complex networking and uh, many uh, servers as virtual machines and and separate databases and that that pretty much looks like a, a web of complex complex uh, thing of microservices and it builds up to a very complex uh, data uh, very complex uh, application so as mentioned uh, it can be counted as a disadvantage uh, the the thing that it requires uh, extra knowledge and familiarity of uh, the topic uh, of a few topics like uh, the architecture the way how the, the whole thing is built up uh, containerization on its own uh, container orchestration uh, for example uh, kubernetes would be one of them and uh, the the knowledge or overhead as i as i mentioned apart from that uh, databases and servers the the extra bits and pieces which you need to spin uh, up and down I see we have uh, five minutes left. I was talking quite slow today, it uh, seems like. Oh, and a lot of people were talking in the chat. Chat, 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 chat. What they say? No, they don't say anything for me. They go playing dope wars. Okay. Well, they came back from playing dope wars. So, I think for part two. Uh, because I don't know if in five minutes I could uh, talk to you about Docker. Uh, well, we can talk about Docker a little bit. Uh, so we talked about microservices compared to monolithic uh, architecture. About Docker we talked about in uh, in the episode we did on virtualization, episode 14 and 15. We know that Docker is a type 2 virtualization in a form of a platform as a service, which delivers software in packages called containers and it's using uh, OS level virtualization as we discussed it. To put uh, Docker in simpler terms of explanation, it is an application, uh, Docker is an application build and deployment tool. It is based on the idea of that you can package your code with dependencies into a deployable unit called a container containers have been around for quite some time and I found this on when I was researching uh, Docker and containers in general on some website it mentioned that uh, there are some people who say that uh, uh, containers were developed by Sun Microsystems and released as part of Solaris 10 in 2005 as the Solaris zones but some other people mentions uh, or stating that it was BSD jails were the first container, uh, so so to say, technologies. I put this in here because I I, I have great respect for both uh, Sun Microsystems uh, and Solaris, and also as I mentioned in the previous episode in Unix, uh, BSD uh, as I. B BSDs, which I uh, mentioned that I, for me, the most 
Unix like uh, operating systems still available uh, today when we uh, were talking about uh, Linux and BSD and some other for me it's uh, BSD which are uh, I think I, I, I mentioned or I or I expressed it as like the most Unix truest to the root of, of the original Unix uh, BSDs are for me uh, the ones if someone understood what I was trying to say just now so that's why I copy pa copy pasted into the show notes in this uh, this piece because uh, it was nice to read that uh, nice to read and nice to remember that not everything is uh, uh, which they come up from one day to another is not everything new under the sun as we discussed in uh, the episode of virtualization many 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 things regarding virtualization I, I remember I mentioned it was going back to the I think I'm not mistaken in the 60s or 65 and uh, and uh, and the mainframes were also involved in in the history of virtualization so many things are not invented from from nothing uh, but built on 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 existing uh, ideas or 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 technologies and they just perhaps reshape it or, or or sometimes even just give them another name or, or another color and uh, sometimes they try to sell us as a new and biggest invention but uh, for example another explanation oh the time is up oh, time is up so the people who were listening to me in the broadcast the audio broadcast they already lost me but you see this happens when i try to talk about docker and some other things quickly in uh, five four minutes and yes the the guys are remember remem making me remember that the clock is a is a harsh mistress means that uh, the live stream is cutting off exactly exactly at uh, at uh, 6.30 UPC time but uh, that's why the people who listen to this in a form of a podcast and download it they can have this extra bit and piece of information normally I don't run over time but uh, now this happened it means that you didn't lose uh, the last bits and pieces I will continue from next week where I was cut off which was probably uh, when I started to talk about the Solariston and the BSD jails uh, note I found when I was uh, investigating this thing. So thank you for everyone for listening and see you next Saturday for part uh, two.